Greetings to all of our campuses and promisers. Thrilled to have you from our God Behind Bars campus, your internet, all of our campuses. It's been a great weekend. A lot of folks have been saved. God has moved in a powerful way. The worship has been uh, just off the chain. But let me take one minute of business. We never, ever, almost never do this. It's only happened three or four times. Look at the history of Faith Promise. We're going to have a church vote next week. And most of you have never seen that at Faith Promise because we really don't vote on anything but our Constitution bylaws. We're going to refinance our loan now, and that requires a church vote. Let me just tell you that we're going from a 20-year loan to a 15-year loan. We're going to save $3.5 million uh, in interest. We're paying principal off. And even though we're going to refinance to a 15-year, I believe that it will be paid up before 15 years. Anybody with me on that? So we'll be doing that. That is only for core, and so that's for our core play. You got to have a core, and, you know, if you don't have one, you need to uh, move on through that. And then, and then let's get to the good stuff. The good stuff, man, my stomach is wadded up in knots. I'm like a kid in a candy shop. I get to introduce my hero, my mentor in the ministry. Uh, as you guys know my story, grew up without a dad, then had some stepdads that were abusive and all that kind of stuff. Got saved after an overdose when I was 22. And God became my father, but I really wanted an earthly dad. I, I needed a spiritual father. So in, 19, nine, in 1990, I was given a cassette tape. Now, many of you millennials, young adults, you don't know what a cassette tape actually is. So it's a precursor to a DVD where there's no pictures, okay? It was the day of bag phones. You've never seen one of those either. Uh, but but it was I was given a tape, an Enjoy Life Club tape by John Maxwell, uh, monthly leadership mentoring, fell in love with the leadership. It was what I was looking for. And then in 1991, because of Kyle Wall, our groups guy, who was on John's staff, connected us. John, uh, man, just said, hey, I want to pour into you, invited me to his home. I've traveled around the world with him, now on his board of directors. But, but when I needed a spiritual father, when I needed a dad, John was there. And when I needed someone to, to help show me how to do ministry, John was there. And so if there are things I do that you don't like, blame John. <laughs> because it's not my fault. Because I modeled my ministry after John Maxwell. Love he and Margaret, their kids. Love his ministry and just love what he does. And you're going to love him too. Would you guys give a great faith promise welcome to John Maxwell. Thanks, man. Thank you very much, Chris. Good morning. My, it's good to be with you today. Sure am proud of Chris. My gosh. What a wonderful, wonderful young leader he is. I, I think you're aware of this, but... Um, I have the privilege of really knowing the great churches and pastors of America and, and, and my whole world is leadership. And uh, with Chris Stevens, him and Michelle and their leadership there, uh, you are incredibly blessed at Faith Promise to have the, the caliber of leader, yeah, of Chris. And if he, while he's leading you, kind of sometimes misses it. It has nothing to do with me. You know how it is with your own children, don't you? 
They, they, they just don't always live up to what your expectations are. <laughs> oh, Chris, you know I'm just kidding you. I love you, and I, he, he, we've had the privilege of traveling around the world together, and uh, you're just a, you know, you love your people. I wish you could be with me sometimes when he talks about you because he's always talking about my, my, my church and Faith Promise and this great church in Knoxville, and, and I keep saying to him, it can't be that good. He's just kind of, you know, he's just like a, like a parent, just kind of just thinks that, you know, you're a little better than you really are. And then I, I, I got here last night and I spoke last night and this morning and I thought, you know what, he's telling the truth. You, you're, you're pretty good. There's no place like this place anywhere near this place. Huh? Nah. So, you know, so this must be the place, right? You're worshiping, your worship good, huh? Tell you folks, when you go to heaven, you're going to want to come home on the weekends. You know that, huh? <laughs> you're going to just say, you know, can I just kind of go back down just, you know, I'll come back, you know, but just let me go down to Faith Promise just for a little bit. I'm so delighted to be with you. Thank you for coming and, and, and being here and, and, and being a part of our, our time together. And, and I'm just very excited about, about sharing with you today. And, and uh, uh so, so let me begin kind of my, my teaching by saying that for, for probably 20 years at least, every December, the last week of December, I uh, take that week off and I evaluate my, my year. It's, it's the last part of the year and so I, I get out my calendar, I get out my legal pad and, and I literally go, I go through every day, I, I literally go hour by hour through every day of my year of how, how I spent it, and, and I learned a lot from it. I, I, you know, there's some things I say, okay, for the next year I need to change this, I need to do more of this, I need to do less of that. And, it's a, and I just kind of take notes, and, and it's just been a great way for me to, to prepare for the, for the next year. Sometimes you hear people say that uh, experience is the best teacher, and, 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 and it's not. It, it isn't, my friend. If, if experience were the best teacher, then as everybody gets older, they'd get better, wouldn't they, huh? because we all have our experience. You see, experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. Your ability, my ability to look at, at where we've been and, and to assess it and evaluate it and reflect. Uh, and reflection has the ability to turn insight out, in, out of experience. So, so every year I do that, and every year, not only do I, I do that, but every year I ask God to give me one word for the next year. A word that'll that allow me to focus, think about. Uh, uh, a word that I can attain to, work on, um, and, and I, I've had that happen every year. Every year I, I get a word in December. I got real excited this year because when I started thinking about what the word should be and praying about it, I got I got two words, and I thought this is amazing. I, look look how I'm growing spiritually. <laughs> My God, God can trust me with two words this year. You know, usually it's usually it's just one. And uh, somebody says, well, why do you only ask for one word? I, I said, because I just, that's my capacity, about one word. And, and, but this year he gave me two rooms, and, and the two words were God room. And, and all year long I've been thinking about what is it like to give God room in your life? What, what is it like? And God room is the room that is above what we can do. So if this is what John Maxwell can do in my own potential, this is my level, my limit, my uh, bar, whatever that is, that God room is where I can do no more and God can begin and to make up the difference. And what's amazing about what we're going to teach this morning is 
that God in his sovereignty really chooses to let you and I participate in how much room we give him in our life. I'm always amazed at an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God that, that would incredibly connect with us in such a way that he would trust us to, um, to have a partnership. If I would have been God, I, I, you know, do you have questions you're going to ask God when you go to heaven? Do, do you? I have a list of questions I'm going to ask God. And one of the questions I'm going to ask him is why did he use people? I mean, think about it. I mean, we're just a bunch of mess ups, aren't we, huh? I mean, would you, I mean, God using people, I, I mean, I think I would have said, I think I, I'd rather do it myself. But, but, you know, and, and, but it's one of my several questions I'm going to ask God, but he does. And, and what's amazing is that he not only does use people, but he wants to use people. He wants to use every one of you. He wants to use me. When I, as I was growing up, my father used to say to me many times, he'd say, John, without God, you cannot. But without you, God will not. And I, I used to think, man, isn't that amazing? I, I, the, without God, I cannot. I got that part really good. But without me, God will not. And how he absolutely chooses to take you and me and to, to use us and to bless us is a pretty amazing thought. So I, I want to talk to you. So as, as God room is the, that's, those are the two words I'm concentrating on this year, I, I also got a prayer this year out of Ephesians chapter 3 that I pray constantly. And I want to give it to you because it's my prayer for 2016. It's not only my prayer for me, but it's my prayer for you. So look at the neighbor you're sitting beside and say to them, John has a prayer for you. Go ahead and say that. Too. John, John has a prayer for you. And look at them and say, and I, I do wish you would listen, okay? I do wish All right, get your paper pen ready because you're gonna, you're, you're, this, this is simple, but you're not going to want to miss it. You're not going to want to miss it, okay? Um, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul begins this prayer, and, and here's what he says. He says, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth, and I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not by brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, and here's, here's the phrase I want you to catch, that, will, that Christ will live in you as you open your door and invite him in. So the first part of my prayer, I, I pray for three things this year for you and for me, and the first part of that prayer is that, that you will know God. Uh, the greatest thing in life that you can um, have attributed to you is that you know, you know God. To, to know him in a personal way, to, to know him as, as your savior, as you're the one who has forgiven you of your sins, as your friend, as, as the one who lives within you, to know God is a, an amazing thing. And I have a great passion. I have a great passion to help people really know God. In fact, when I was a pastor, um, I pastored for 20 years, and in my early pastor, it became a, a real uh, passion of mine to introduce people to Christ outside of the church. And of course, every Sunday I would be here, I would be preaching and people would find him in, 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 in the congregation. But, but it was my desire to develop relationships with people that didn't go to church. And so I spent most of my time really connecting with, with lost people. And, and every week would make sure that I would spend at least 10 hours, my, my, it was a minimum, I tried between 10 and 15, every hour, 10 and 15 hours every week to hang around with, with lost people. 
and, and, and try to be salt, try to be light, look for opportunity. And I had a goal every year to lead 200 people to Christ personally outside of the church. And I never reached that goal. I, I always got over 150. I usually probably got around that 160, 165 range. Never got to 200, but every year it would be my goal to, to share my faith and personally lead 200 people a year to Christ. And it was an amazing experience because what I learned is these were, these were prep years as a pastor for me to do what I do now, which basically I spend almost all my time with secular people, with business people. Uh, my, my world is, is pretty much uh, hanging around with, with people who, who they don't go to church. The church isn't on the radar screen. To be honest with you, God's not on the radar screen. And, and, and to be able to be salt and light and to be able to, to befriend them and connect with them and relate with them in a way that I could bring them to Christ. I, I was with a Fortune 100 CEO. I won't give you his name because you would know him and you would know his company. But, but, but I was, I, I, he had me coming in and I was doing some, some uh, leadership teaching and training for his high executives. And I'll never forget when, one day when I finished teaching, he, he said, let's go up to my office and have lunch. We went up to his office, clear at the top of a major, major building in a major city and uh, this incredible suite of offices overlooking the city. And so we sat down for lunch and he said, okay, John, he said, uh, you, you're really helping me. He said, you're really helping my company. But he said, there's something about you that's, that's, that's bothering me. I said, well, what, what's, what's bothering you? He said, well, he said, um, he says, you seem to ask for nothing. And he said, everybody wants something. What, what, do, you, what do you want? And I said, well, I said, I'd like to be your friend. Well, he said, well, that's a given. He said, you're helping me. You're my friend. He said, but there, there's got to be something more. What, 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 what do you want? Well, I said, I, I want to be your friend in such a way and help you and your company in such a way that, that someday you and I will have such a good relationship, you'll want to know about, about my faith, about God. And, and when I said that, I, I'll never forget, he looked at me and said, that's it. I, I knew there was something. I, I, that's it. Now we're cooking. He said, I knew there was something you wanted. And he said, I'm, you know, he said, I, I'm a CEO. I know how to make things happen. He said, so you, okay, you want to talk to me about faith? I said, well, I said, yeah. He said, okay, that's good. He said, let's talk about your faith. Let's talk about God. I said, oh, no, no, no. You're, you're not ready yet. <laughs> and, and he looked at me and said, what do you mean I'm not ready? I said, well, you're not ready. I said, the only reason you're wanting to do that is because you know that that's what I would like to have happen. And, and so you're wanting to please me. And, and I said, you don't do this to please me. I said, you really need to know God. But, but you're not ready yet. You're, you're kind of like a, a CEO today. And we, let, let's just not, let's hold that God thing for a while. He said, well, he said, I, I'm ready. I'll listen. I'll, I'll take notes. I said, no, no, you're not ready yet. So we, we probably met uh, twice a year, twice a year. Sometimes I'd speak for him. Sometimes we might play golf or something. But every, every time we'd be ready, he'd say, okay. He said, he'd say, okay. He said, I, th I think I'm ready. What do you think? Am I ready? <laughs> am, am, am I ready for you to share God? And I said, no, you really aren't. You, you just, it's okay. It's okay. Just relax. Take a pill. You'll be all right. You'll, you'll, you'll be all right. Just, you're not ready yet. Well, he said, how, how, how are you going to know when I'm ready? I said, I don't know. Oh, no. Hit your shot. I'll never forget the evening he called me and he said, I, I got to see you today. Can I see you now? Can I see you? Are you in town? I said, yeah, I am. He said, I got to see you. 
So I went over to his place and his, he just found out his wife had cancer. And he said, it's not good. He said, she not has cancer. She's not going to live. He said, would you talk to her and me about your faith? I said, yeah, you're ready now. Had a beautiful evening that night as I led both of them to Christ. And I'm, I'm here to tell you something, folks. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me very carefully. You ought to live, and I ought to live a life that is so appetizing to lost people that they are bugged about what's different about us. And they want to know that in such a way. We, we ought to be so beautiful in our lives to people that they can, they can just, they, 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 we make them hungry to know God. I was on Kiowa Island when I first left the pastorate and I was talking to the largest lumber broker company in the world and I talked to him about leadership all day. At the end of the day, one of the executive leaders, one of the senior VPs, raised his hand and says, John, your leadership stuff is so different. It's so fresh. He said, God, ask you a question. Where, 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 did, you get your, where did you get your material? <laughs> and, and I smiled and I said, uh, you, you don't want to know. And he said, what do you mean I don't want to know? I said, you don't want to know where I got the video. Well, I said, it's so fresh. It's good. He said, no. I, he said, I do want to know. Where, where do you get, get? And I said, would you just trust me? You, you, you don't want to know. Now, there's nothing like helping people tell them they don't want to know to make them want to know. <laughs> and so they all got their hands up and, you know, they said, well, no, no, we, 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 we want to know. I said, okay, I'm going to tell you. But when I tell you, you're going to be disappointed. I said, everything I taught you today, every leadership thing I taught you is right out of the Bible. And, and they audibly, they went, ah. <laughs> and I said, I told you, I told you you didn't want to know. And I said, you got a cocktail hour at 630. I'll be there. I'll be over in the corner. If you have any question about God, you just, you just come and, and, and I'll do my best to share with you. And I can remember going over that night about 620 and thinking, I wonder if anybody will really ask any questions about God. I walked in that room and over in a the corner there were half a dozen executives already waiting. And for the next hour and 20 minutes, I just answered questions about God. And I walked out of there that day and I thought to myself, you know, people really want to know God if we could get Christians out of the way. Listen to me carefully, friend. You have to deal with something right now, and might as well deal with it to this morning. You've got to ask yourself a question as a, as a Christ follower. Do you want to connect with people, or do you want to correct people? You, you're going to have to figure this one out. Because let me tell you something. If you correct them, they will not come around. They will not come around. They don't need to know how bad they are and how they need to change and how they, you're going to fix them. But the moment that you want to connect with them and the moment they really understand that you care about them, period, no strings attached, you care about them whether they know God or they don't know God, whether they go to church or they don't go to church, you just like them and love them, period. What, the moment they understand that, everything begins to change. When, I, when I'm teaching a lot of times in networking, helping people do networking questions to help them to get what I call who luck. Who luck is the luck that you know, the greatest luck you, all, you and I will ever have is who luck, and that's who we meet because that, that so many times I've met somebody that, that they've opened up doors for me. You have too that you say, wow, because I know them, I got a great opportunity. And so I, I talk to them about how to get who luck. And one of the things I do is I say when you're with somebody, ask them this question, who do you know 
that I should know? And, and I, I, I love that question, and I, I've asked that many times, and it's led me to some incredible people because I've asked that question. And if, if you were to sit down with me and say, well, John, who do you know that, that I should know? I'd just smile at you, and I'd say, who you really need to know is you need to know God. And, and everything that is in my life that brings me joy has nothing to do with who I am and where I've done or, or what I've done or where I've been. or who. I, that stuff it is very trite in my life. But, but it's, it's the fact that I know God. You know, I love that passage in Jeremiah. Don't let the wise brag on their wisdom and don't let the heroes brag on their exploits and don't, don't let the rich brag on their riches. Now, don't do any of that. If you're going to brag, brag in this and brag in this only, that you know and that you love me. That's worth bragging about. And, and, and I, just, I just want you to know that, that my, my prayer for every one of you in this auditorium today is that you just know God. Because when you know God, it just becomes an incredible, beautiful life. And I have the opportunity now in a, in a whole business secular world, in, in the world of government, in the world of education, in the world of business, to, to literally, literally see thousands of people come to Christ. And, and it's just incredible. And I want you to know God. If you don't know him this morning, hey, my name's John and I'm your friend. And I just want you to know that he'll, he'll beautifully, wonderfully change your life. So that's the first part of my prayer, that you, really, that you really know God, that you let him into your life. Number two, the second thing that I pray for is that you will experience God's love. In, in verses 18 and 19, Paul prayed and said, I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus. In other words, I, he said, I want you to be able to take this in. In other words, wow, stretch yourself a little bit. Take this in. I want you to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. And then notice how he wants us to be active in getting this love. Look, look at the verbs. Reach out and experience its breadth. Test its length, plumb its depth, rise to its height, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. You, you know, when he's, when he's doing this prayer, basically he's saying, I just want you to know, I just want you to, I just want you to know that, that you can have as much of God as you want. That, that, you could, that, you could, that you can have as much of God as you want. And so if you want to have a little bit of God room in your life, you can just have, you can put him, you, you can have a little closet for God and every once in a while go to the closet and pull him out for something. Or, or if you want to, you can, you can let him have the whole house. You can, you can let him have the whole property. I mean, you can have, you can have, you can have as much God as you want. Again, this is amazing that, that a God that we love and serve that created and brought into existence the world is going to let you and I kind of determine how much of God that we really want in our life. And so he said, let me, let me explain to you the four dimensions, the whole part of God's love, and, and so that you can really understand the extravagance of it. And he starts by talking about the breadth. He said, I, I, want, you to, I want you to know about the, the breadth of God's love. The breadth of God's love means that God loves everyone. So when they talk about how, how broad God's love is, it, 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 it's this simple. God so loved the what? World. The world that he gave his only son. That's the breadth of God's love. In other words, his love is so wide, it's so broad that it includes everyone. It includes every one of you here today. Okay? No one's excluded from God's love. 
So, so I want you as a congregation to say with me aloud, God loves me. Let's say it together. God loves me. Isn't that beautiful, huh? It's just beautiful. God loves me. And now I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to look at them and I want you to say, God loves you. Let's say it together. You know, God loves you. Oh, I like that, don't you? But, but we're talking about the breath of God's love. Let, let's go another one. Let, let's, say, let's say this together. God loves people I don't know, okay? Let's say it together. God loves people I don't know. Isn't that amazing, huh? Even people you don't know, God, God loves them. What, what, do one more with me. Let's say this one aloud together. God loves people I don't like. I wish you could be up here and look at yourself. I, I mean, you were really into it. God loves me. God loves you. God loves people I don't know. Woo! God loves people I don't like. And, and, and you know what? There's the problem. Because there are people, they're not like us. They're not going to be like us. And, and we have a tendency as Christians to somehow devalue those people. You see, if you really want to be Jesus-like, if you, if you, you know, people say, well, I really want to be a Christ follower. I want to really be Jesus-like. Let me tell you something. This is, not a, this is not complicated. This is not heavy rocket science, folks. If you want to be Jesus-like, I'm going to tell you exactly how to be Jesus-like. You value people as much as Jesus did, and you'll be Jesus-like. Because when you go through the Gospels, the thing page after page after page you see Jesus loving and valuing people. And isn't it interesting? Who did it make nervous? Who did it make nervous that, that Jesus loved and valued people like he did? Who, who, who really kind of got uptight over that? Religious people did. The religious people, they got, they got so nervous because Jesus was always hanging around the wrong people. And when they were having a a rabbi meeting in greater Jerusalem instead of Jesus coming over and hanging with the rabbis. He was down at the bar hanging with the hookers. And they couldn't handle that. Isn't it amazing? God, son in the flesh, coming straight from heaven, born as a babe in Bethlehem. God robed in flesh. This God who left heaven when he got to earth, religious people said he wasn't religious enough blows my mind. So when you think of the breadth of God's love, what I want you to understand and comprehend today is, is that, that God's love includes everyone. And, and, and I know what you're saying. You're saying, but John, honest to God, I know some people, they're just not likable. Ah, ah, yeah. how, how many of you know, just one person, not a lot, just one. They're just, they're just hard to get along with. They're just hard to like. Come on, raise your hand. How many of you know somebody like, yeah, here we go, here we go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all know somebody like that, don't we? And let me ask you this question. How many of you are seated beside them right now? <laughs> oh, don't go there. Oh, my gosh, there were half a dozen of you. You went there. Oh, we... <laughs> Oh, somebody's going to do some counseling this week in the church. I can tell you that right now. Some, some of those hands, they went up a little too quick on that last one. That first one was a spiritual question. That last one was an IQ question, friend. Okay, anyway. <laughs> now, now, what you got to understand, what you got to underst understand is, yeah, those people you don't like, 
God loves you. You see, if you would go out to non-church people and say, I would like you in one word to describe the church. I will promise you this. They may give you 50 adjectives, and it's highly possible they'll never say the church unconditionally loves me. And therein is the reason why people do not come to God. People do not come to God because God's a problem. People come to God because God's children are the problem. They don't present a clear, beautiful picture of who God is. And in the world that I live in, a, a world, again, that God is not on the radar screen, you, you just have to understand, they're, they're, they're very receptive to God. I, I mean, I, I can't even get over how receptive they are to knowing God. It, they're, they're very, it's just they've never been given a good, clear picture of what God looks like. And, and so there's the, there's the breadth of God's love that, that Paul says he wants us to experience. And he said, I want you to experience the, the length of God's love. And, and when we talk about the length of God's love, God's love is forever. It, it, never, it never runs out. It never gets impatient. It, it lives on and on. And, and we again, we again, when we think about the love of God, we say, well, how can God love everyone? And how can, can God's love last forever? You see, you have to understand, God doesn't love you and me because we're lovable. We're not. Trust me. God doesn't love us because we're lovable. God loves us because he is love. He doesn't look at us based upon us, thank God. He looks at us based upon him. In one of my books, In Relationships, many years ago, I wrote the Lens Principle. The Lens Principle says, we see, we see others as we are ourselves. And if I'm loving, I'll see you as loving. If I'm trusting, I'll see you as love trusting. If I'm, if I'm not trusting, I'll see you as not trusting. In other words, what we see is not what our eyes see. What we see is who we are. And God is love. And, and God loves us. He, he, and he loves us forever. Wow. That's a beautiful thing. Jesus said, you know, my, my, my sheep, they hear my voice. They recognize my voice. And he said, I give them. I give them this real. I give them this eternal life. And he said, no one is ever going to steal them from my hand. In other words, he said, my love is so great. You can't pry somebody out of my hand. Once I got them, I got them. If, if, man, I'm telling you, if I lived in Tennessee and I was a country songwriter I'd write a song called God's Grip Don't Slip <laughs> huh what do you think of that huh is that is that pretty good how is that don't, don't you think because because that's exactly God's grip don't slip and, and not only is his length of his love is forever and his breadth of his love is for everyone but but then he said I want you to experience the depth of God's love in other words plummets depths in other words Go down. How, how low can you go? And, and he's, what's he saying there? He's, he said, God's love is forgiving. It's totally forgiving. You see, God's capacity to forgive your sin is greater than your capacity to sin. That's powerful. That's why he said in Jeremiah, I will forgive their wrong and I will remember it no more. That's huge. I, I, I'll remember they're wrong no more. I mean, so if, if you talk to God about a sin in your past, 
You know what? When you say, well, you know, I, God, I, I, I still remember five years ago. And you start, you know what? God's looking at you and he says, excuse me, excuse me. I, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I forgot that. I don't remember that anymore. Isn't it amazing? God not only forgives, but he forgets our sins. Now, now we remember them because we have the accuser, the evil one, who reminds us of them. You see, our problem isn't God. Our problem is he. He's trying to bring up what God has already forgiven and forgotten. And, and this incredible forgiveness of love. And so I run into people all the time, and they'll say, well, John, you know, I'm, a, I, whoo, I'm not sure God could forgive me. I've done a lot of bad things. I'm kind of like a, a big sinner. And whenever they tell me they're a big sinner, I just start laughing. I say, well, I'm Big deal. God's a bigger Savior. <laughs> bigger. So don't go bragging about how big a sinner you are. That's no big deal. Don't, 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 don't say, well, I'm just really bad. <laughs> so what? God's badder. I don't care how low you go. He can go right underneath all that sin and forgive every bit of it. That's the God I'm talking about today. That's why I've fallen so incredibly in love with him. That's why I want to tell everybody about him because I know that as soon as they see God in the right way and experience this extravagant love, they're going to want to know God. Of course they're going to want to know God. It's, it's an IQ test. When you don't know, want to know God, it's not a spiritual issue. It's an IQ issue. Once you've got the right picture, Everybody wants to know God. So the, the breadth is, is everyone and the length is forever and the, and the depth is that there's not a sin that you can commit that, that goes lower. When I was in high school, I, I wasn't the best student. I, I really didn't apply myself in high school because I just didn't understand high school. I, I, I just thought high school was a great place for friends and ball. So I had a lot of friends and I played ball. And then the other kids told me that we were supposed to study. <laughs> and I watched kids take home books. And I'd say, what is that? They'd say, that's homework. I said, man, that could mess up my evening. <laughs> but I had good leadership skills even as a high school kid, so I found four girls that were very smart. <laughs> One for each subject. You, you know where I'm going now, don't you? And, and besides, if you're doing this, don't, don't go get some dumb one. Dumb ones won't help you. They, they won't get your homework done. So when I would, during, during study hall, I'd go around to make sure they were getting my homework done because I had high standards of getting my homework in time in there for that teacher. I'd take a test sometimes and it didn't come out good. You know what I'm talking about. I, I'm leaving the room and I'm saying, oh God, may the teacher grade on the curve. And really what I was hoping for was not a curve, I was wanting a circle all-inclusive, you know, so that, you know, it goes below 70 and maybe my 60 will get in there or somewhere and maybe they grade on a curve and, and it was always a happy day. Oh, they grade on the curve and I got it. Ooh, I, I, I passed. I, I got through. That was a good thing. Let, let me tell you something about sin. You, you see, when you grade on the curve, there's still a few left out. There's, there's still a few that didn't pass. But, but when it comes to sin, none of us can pass. We, we, we take what I call the impossible test. And what's beautiful about God's forgiveness is he doesn't grade on the curve. He grades on the cross. And when you grade on the cross, 
Everybody can be forgiven, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. And they said, I wish you could experience the height of God's love. I wish you could rise to the heights, which that means that God's love is uplifting, that it has the ability to, to take you and I where we are, and it has the ability to lift us. It, there's a phrase that we studied in theology called redemption lift. And, and redemption lift is a phrase that basically says that once a person has been redeemed by the love of God, there is an automatic lift in their life that, that takes us to a higher level, not because of anything that we have done or not any, because of something wonderful about us, but wonderful about the fact that that's what God's redeeming love does. It has a tendency and the ability to lift you and me. And that's exactly what I've discovered about the love of God. I've discovered that it just has the ability to take John Maxwell where I am and just help me to live a better life, a life that I would rather live, a life that is within my heart to live. And it'll do the same thing for you, that this redemptive live. I can still remember as a new Christian three days after receiving Christ, reading the scripture before I went to school, if any person is in Christ, they become a new creation. Old things are passed away. Old things become new. And I can still remember walking out saying, wow, everything's new in my life. Everything's fresh. I'm, I'm on the first page. It's a clean, it's a clean sheet. There, there was something very encouraging, very enabling, very uplifting, very equipping about the fact that God loved me and, and God was, was, was lifting me. Which brings me to the third thing of, of, of the prayer that I love is not only that you'll know God in a personal way and that you'll experience his extravagant love and get all that you can out of him, but number three, that you will allow God to do great things in your life. And then this is just huge. This is where we get to the, the little phrase, God room. You talk about a God room scripture, this next scripture that's coming on your screen, it's a huge God room scripture. Look what it says. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine, guess, request, in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently working within us. In 2015, a year ago, the word I had was listen. And I decided that that year that I would go to a listening prayer life. It, it, that, that word came out of the passage where it says, God knows more than we what we need. And, and I, I, I kind of bought into that. And I said, you know, if God knows more than John knows about what I need, then maybe it would be better for me instead of talking to God and telling him what I want all the time to just kind of listen and tell him what I need. And kind of go that route. So I began to learn how to listen to God. I got a whole teaching on how do you and I listen, just how, how do we listen to God? Practical teaching of how, how, do I, how do I listen to him? And when I started listening to God, one of the things that he began to ask me is he began to challenge me. He said, well, John, how much room do you want of, of me? How, how much of me do you want? I mean, you want a little bit of me? I mean, do you want, you want me when, when you kind of like are in trouble and you need me, like help? You know what I mean? You know, help, help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, is, is, do you want that much of me? Or do you want, do you want me to kind of maybe come around a little bit more even when you're not in the ditch? And, and you want, do you want a relationship with me? I mean, how, mu how, mu how, much of, how much of me do you really want? And I've been really challenged just to, to basically 
go to God on, on his agenda. You see, for, for many times, maybe you never did this. This is probably not who you are, but this is who I am. And you probably haven't been this bad. But, you know, for years when I would pray, I would give my prayer request to God. I would I'd kind of lay them out and get my, pen, get my pad, and I'd, I'd say, okay, these are, these are five things I need from you, God. And then what I would do is because God is so busy, I would not only share with him my four or five things I would like for him to answer in my prayer life, but I would give him a few suggestions <laughs> of how he could answer that prayer. But he's busy. He's busy. And I just, I just thought how helpful it is for me not only to tell him what I need, but tell him how to do it. It's as if God is up in heaven and he's got a book out and I'm, I'm talking to him and I'm giving him all of my suggestions and he said, oh, go slow, go slow, go slow. That is so good. Just be patient with me. I, I don't want to miss one thing you're sharing. This is, oh, oh my. Why have I never thought of that? That is, God, that is so good. Trust me, I've not only given God thousands of prayer requests, I've given God thousands of suggestions. And he's never taken one of them. <laughs> he doesn't need my ideas and my suggestions. He needs my heart. He, he needs me just to say, you know, God, you're the one that directs my steps. I don't direct them. You're the one that knows the very thoughts of my heart. I don't know them. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with my life. If I had another 30 minutes, I would talk to you about this thing of trust. This is so vital for God room. You will only give God as much room as you trust him with. And trust is a result of obedience. And obedience, oh, this is powerful. You just, you just write this down and chew on this for a couple of days. Obedience is only understood on the back end. It's never understood on the front end. And that's why we always have the battle with God on the front end because he's asking us to do something that doesn't make any sense. And so we're, we're kind of wrestling with him like Naaman when he went over to the prophet because he had leprosy and, and he thought the prophet would come out and proclaim something wonderful over me and be healed. And the prophet didn't even come out, just told him to go down to the muddy Jordan River and dip seven times. And he was so ticked, he got back in his chariot and he started going back to Syria saying, I've got cleaner water in Syria. If it's a dipping issue, I'll go dip in the clean waters of, uh, of Syria. And his servant said, wait a minute, you've already come this far why don't you go down and try the Jordan? And so he went down and tried the Jordan seventh time up. He was clear and as clean as a baby. His leprosy was healed. And here's what Naaman said. He said, I thought I would go to Israel and the prophet would come out and he would do all these things. But now I know. You see, on the front end of obedience, you think. On the back end of obedience, you know. Oh, my goodness. 
And here's what I know. Because I'm on the back end of obedience. I know that he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And I know that he wants to let you experience all of his love and all the extravagance and dimensions of it. And I know that he wants to do something in your life that's bigger than you can ever guess, think, imagine, according to even your wildest dreams. That's the God I'm talking about this morning. What a beautiful, beautiful God he is. I have fallen head and heels in love with him. He is amazing. Okay, bow your heads, close your eyes with me just for a second. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you raise your hand up just very quickly? And by raising your hand, say, okay, John, I think I got it today. I think I got it. This, in, this God who loves me with extravagant love, he would like to have a relationship with me. He would literally love to come into my life. And I would like to know this God. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I wonder how many of you raise your hand and say, John, as you pray this closing prayer, I'd just like for you to, I'd like to raise my hand and just say, I want to know God in this personal way. And you'd raise your hands all over the auditorium right now. That's it. Just raise them high. Dozens. Just raise them high. High all over the auditorium. I'd like to know this God. That's it. I see way up in the balcony, clear in the back. Just raise it up high. Want to know this God. Want to know him. Want to know him in a personal way. You that have your hands raised right now, you that have your hands raised, I'm just standing up in front of you. Just you that have your hands raised, look up at me for a moment, would you? Just That's it. Just look up at me. Good. I'm, I'm glad you raised your hand. I'm going to pray a prayer now out loud. I want you to repeat it after me. But not only you repeat it, I want everybody in the auditorium to repeat it. We're going to pray this prayer together. This is a sinner's prayer. But for you that have your hands raised, as you pray that prayer, when you ask him to come into your heart, that's exactly what he does at that moment. He comes into your life and you begin this relationship with God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So as you pray with me today, when you ask him to come into your heart, that's when he begins that relationship with you. So let's all pray out loud together. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Only you can forgive me. So I ask you to do that. I ask you to come into my heart, live with me, love with me, stay with me, forgive me, be my eternal friend. So in your name, Jesus, I open my heart's door. I ask you to come in now and thank you for that. Amen. Welcome to the family of God, my friend. Welcome to the family of God. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Tell them I'll sign in. Amen. Have you, has it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? Man. Woo. You now see why when I listened to that first tape, I fell in love with John and then John and Margaret and, and uh, just grateful. If you just gave your heart to Jesus, you are as 1 Corinthians 5, 17 says, you're a new creature, you're a brand new baby. And you don't have a baby at the hospital and leave it on the steps. You bring that baby home and you nurture and you love that baby. It's, it's called spiritual growth and we want to help you. Matter of fact, we want to help you to grow in the weeks and months, years to come, that you've, you achieve all the potential, all the God that he has placed in you. So if that's you, if you'll take the communication card in front of you and fill it out, you can drop in the offering boxes or at all of our campuses, you can take it uh, at Palisade straight through the center doors to a place we call Next Steps. 
And uh, people will help you on your next step because God is so big, there's always a next step, isn't there? We don't ever run out of next steps. And so there's always a next step. And so we want to help you. But if you'll fill your card out, one, one of our volunteers or staff will call you. We're not going to beat your door down. We just want to help you, but you got to want it. And so we're thrilled that you were here this weekend. We're excited about all that God is doing. Again, next week we launch a new series called Drop Out. We want to help build a faith that keeps people connected to God until they see him face-to-face -face in heaven. Amen. I did a funeral yesterday for a warrior of faith promise who served God for over a decade faithfully, Pam Hubbard. who And I told the family at the funeral there should be a 21-gun salute and a flag corps honor guard because Pam Hubbard was a warrior. Those of us who follow Jesus, we are soldiers in the kingdom of God. And we hope that you found a place at Faith Promise, a family that you can learn. Are y'all glad you came? All right, one more thing. Almost forgot. We've got a bunch of copies of John's book, his latest book, uh, Intentional Living. You can pick him up. He's going to be signing books uh, out there. I think there's a John Maxwell Leadership Bible. It's the Bible I'm using this year. Uh, if John was at a conference and a guy walked up to sign the Bible and asked him, did you write the Bible? And of uh, which John said, no, I didn't. I just wrote the commentary in the John Maxwell uh, Leadership Bible. But those are out there if you want to grab them. And John's already heading out there to sign books. Hey, be back next week and bring somebody with you. We love you in Jesus' name.